1: Welcome back to Live, Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. This morning, the day started, if you were following the news, uh, with a memorial service for the late Justice Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg. She was memorialized by those who worked with her, knew her, uh, worshipped with her. She, uh, As she made her way uh, across uh, the, the street to the U.S. Capitol there, uh, gathered outside, uh, I'm sorry, the Supreme Court gathered outside were all of her, maybe not all, but many uh, of the former clerks who have worked with her, uh, who had worked with her over her 27 years as a member of the Supreme Court, and even clerking for her in, in past positions. It is, uh, it's a somber day, certainly, and it's a somber uh, time and era as we, uh, you know, regardless of your politics, look back at the trails that were blazed by Ruth Bader Ginsburg, by the, uh, interestingly, the, 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 like the pop culture icon that she became. Uh, you know, you don't think of, uh, uh, of a little lady like her on the Supreme Court uh, becoming, uh, you know, uh, the image that you would see on uh, young people t-shirts, the notorious RBG, uh, a fascinating life uh, she lived. Uh, but now she is gone. And uh, there is a vacancy. ...left by her death, and, and that vacancy uh, must be filled. Now, the timing, the, the timing of all of this, uh, when the news first broke last Friday, uh, I, I will admit, uh, unfortunately, that uh, that I, instead of uh, looking back at her legacy and mourning, uh, my mind went immediately to, uh, okay, so, like, what exactly happens next, and when is it going to happen? Uh, Boyd Matheson, he corrected my mentality and got me back uh, down here to earth uh, so that I was looking back on history. But, uh, but now we are uh, nearly a week removed and uh, it is certainly the time uh, to be looking at uh, what, what comes next. And uh, we look to the various senators uh, who bear the responsibility to advise and consent on uh, federal nominations like this to the Supreme Court. Senator Lee uh, put out uh, a statement just the other day uh, making it known uh, that, uh, well, he said this. He said, in 2016, President Obama nominated a replacement for Justice Scalia, and my Senate colleagues and I gave our advice and consent on the nominee consistent with the Constitution by rejecting him this year. President Trump will nominate a replacement for Justice Ginsburg and consistent with the Constitution, we will again give our advice and consent. If we like the nominee, we will confirm her. If we don't, we won't. It's that simple. Uh, Joining me on the line now is Mike Lee, who himself uh, has appeared on a a list of potential uh, candidates for nomination by uh, President Trump. The president has made it known now, though, that he intends to uh, nominate a a, a woman. So it's not likely that Mike Lee will be receiving uh, the nomination on Saturday. But he joins us now Uh, to discuss his reaction to this vacancy. Senator, how are you?
0: Doing great. Thank you very much, Lee.
1: Could you do me a favor? As we start this conversation, would you walk through uh, for me in greater detail uh, the the similarities you see between uh, 2016 and today in that uh, your intention to... Uh, you know, to, to investigate this nominee and to uh, offer your advice and consent was similar to the advice and consent you gave in, in 2016. There are some uh, who, uh, who, who well, they're using the word hypocrisy in that there were no hearings. Uh, there was not uh, an opportunity uh, for the, the, the nominee then uh, to make their case. Uh, that, that's different from, it seems, the, the intentions uh, and the decisions of today.
0: I'm happy to answer that. The short answer is this is an exercise of political discretion. Uh, Some would even say raw political power, but it's influenced from moment to moment based on who's in the White House and who's got the majority in the Senate. But there really is a fairly familiar pattern, and this is consistent with that. Look, in the history of our republic, a Supreme Court vacancy has arisen during an election year 29 times. Uh, Ten of those times occurred when the presidency was held by one party and the Senate majority by another party. In nine of those ten cases, the nominees were rejected by the Senate, just like Merrick Garland was rejected in 2016. On the other hand, there have been 19 times when the Supreme Court seat became vacant in an election year where both the presidency and the Senate were controlled by the same party. Only one of those 19 nominees, Abe Fortas, uh, uh, was rejected. And he was rejected on a bipartisan basis after uh, a a scandal in which he became embroiled. Every other nominee in that group, 18 out of 19, was confirmed in an election year when the Senate and the president were in the same party. And so that's why the, the consistent standard that's been followed quite consistently is that when the Senate and the White House are politically aligned, it goes through. When they're not, it doesn't.
1: And, and so the, the decision to, to, to not hear, to not have uh, a committee hearings yes. uh, or any consideration in 2016 is, is equivalent to uh, the, the, the way that you would express your advice and consent in this year, that that declining to hear was an expression of advice and consent.
0: Yes, exactly. In other words, it's a binary switch. Confirmation is a binary switch. You either confirm or you don't confirm. Uh, Constitutionally speaking, that's all that matters unless or until the nominee is confirmed. The nominee is not confirmed. We chose in 2016 not to hold hearings in part because it would have been a waste of time. It would have been inconsiderate of Judge Garland. It would have been inconsiderate of our colleagues. We had already made a decision that we were not going to confirm him. Now, sure, we could have Understood. gone one way or the other. We could have held hearings. By the way, it's important to note that there is nothing in the Constitution, there is nothing in statute that requires us to have hearings. We tend to do so if we're thinking about possibly confirming, uh, just to make sure that we know the nominee but it is equally acceptable from a constitutional standpoint to decide not to hold hearings at all and not to hold a vote at all if you don't want to confirm. That's the decision that was made by the Republican majority in 2016, and it's a different decision this year, understandably, predictably, and, 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 and consistent with modern historical practice uh, as, uh, for the simple reason that the Senate and the presidency are controlled by the same parties.
1: There is seemingly a short list of three women who uh, may be announced on Saturday by President Trump as his uh, nominee. Uh, that, uh, by you know, by all indications, that individual will uh, see time before uh, the United States uh, Senate and the Judiciary Committee. Uh, before that, do you predict that the experience uh, of that nominee will be a pleasant one, based on what we saw last go around? Uh,
0: yes now look i i think that this will be a contentious nomination i also think that the nomination will in the end be successful that we will confirm the nominee i i also predict that it's likely to be judge amy coney barrett who currently serves on the u.s court of appeals for the seventh circuit in indiana um we confirmed her just shy of three years ago to that position she's a uh, former law clerk of Justice Scalia's. She's a former law professor. She's a staunch advocate of textualism and originalism. And the idea that her job as a judge is to interpret the law based on what it says rather than based on what she wishes it said. She's a judge cut out of the mold of Antonin Scalia, Sam Alito, and Clarence Thomas, which is exactly what we want.
1: You will have an opportunity to question her. Should she be the nominee, what will you ask?
0: You know, I'm going to ask her a number of questions. I'll likely explore her uh, her interpretation of things like the Commerce Clause. Uh, I'd like to hear some of her thoughts on separation of powers issues, on the extent to which uh, Congress uh, over the years has deferred its lawmaking power to unelected, unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats. The courts have facilitated that by being really deferential to unelected, unaccountable bureaucrats in their lawmaking capacity. Uh, These are the kinds of questions I like to ask about it, in addition to uh, the block and tackle, meat and potatoes sort of stuff that consists of Fourth Amendment analysis, searches and seizures, domestic surveillance of government citizen, uh, of of U.S. citizens by the federal government, things like that.
1: I should have asked you this ahead of time. We only have about 30 seconds left, uh, but what leads you to believe that Amy Coney Barrett uh, may be the, the, the front runner and the likely nominee?
0: You know, I'm not I'm not certain that that's the case. And the president hasn't told any anyone. I I, I nonetheless um, reached that conclusion just based on the fact that every time I've seen him speak about her, he does so quite favorably. And based on the fact that uh, of the uh, individuals who are under active consideration right now, uh, she seems to be to be the most logical choice for him. And I support that.
1: Understood. Senator Mike Lee, thank you for your time uh, and your views on this. We'll speak again soon, I'm sure. Thanks so much, Lee. All right, a quick break. When we return, I want to share with you some funny business going on at the FDA. It turns out uh, that that federal organization may be prolonging the vaccine approval process, but not in the name of science. We'll get into why next on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.
0: A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again.
1: You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.